Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. It's not that photography can't do this, but illustration is a more seamless vehicle for presenting ideas and an artist's point of view. So I think it's still essential. And I think that there's, there's something that's still important in an age where, you know, where tempers flare to still talk about things visually in terms of ideas and concepts. Illustration has a long history in journalism. This week, we talked to a master illustrator about his craft. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Today on the phone, I'm talking to David Plunkett, a Baltimore-based illustrator whose work has appeared in the New York Times Book Review, the Wall Street Journal, and the New Yorker. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thank you, Michael. So you and I actually met, uh, I think it was in September, at the Small Press Expo in uh, Rockville, Maryland. I looked across the the dealer room, and I saw your work. And, and of course, the thing that sort of jumped out was the the cover that you'd recently done for The New Yorker. And I guess that was your first cover for New Yorker? Yes, it was. Okay. So because this is an audio podcast, would you mind sort of describing what that cover was of? Now, the cover is uh, showing President Trump in a small black boat, and he's blowing wind into a sail, and the sail is in the shape of a Klansman's hat. Okay. Now, you know, this was September of last year, so this was, you know, this this cover ran in the New Yorker right after the Charlottesville sort of incident. Yeah. Is that sort of the case? So how did it, how did that come about? You know, how were you a inspired to uh, to draw that, and b how did you you know end up pitching it and and getting it on the New Yorker? Well, I had worked with the New Yorker for several years doing interior illustrations. In that regard, you know, a, an art director would contact me with a specific story for me to illustrate. And in working with them, I came to understand how they commissioned the covers, which is a different art director from who I usually work with, and. They would either prompt an artist to illustrate a certain theme, or they would get sketches from different illustrators unsolicited. So, you know, if there's a specific event that happens, several, several dozen or a half dozen illustrators will send in sketches unsolicited to The New Yorker. So I kind of knew this was how this was working, but I hadn't really produced anything for them. And then after the events of Charlottesville, which, uh, you know, took place on a Saturday, I wasn't really thinking about illustrating something for them until President Trump made his made his statement where he sort of was kind of giving some cover to uh, or seemed to be giving cover to some white nationalist groups. So I sent over uh, Sunday night a very um, a very crude sketch to the New Yorker team and in that it basically had all the all the essential elements that are on the final cover, you know, showing President Trump blowing wind into the sail. And Sunday night, they contacted me and said that they were interested in developing it as a cover. So I had to do a somewhat tighter sketch. Now, in this time, this story is kind of developing. You know, on Monday, President Trump came out with a stronger statement against white nationalism. And at that point, you know, I sort of expected that the cover would not get approved. Um, But then the next Tuesday, or the very next day, he walked, those, he walked those comments back again. So then they contacted me Wednesday morning to do a color uh, comp of the, of the cover. And that same day, I was uh, 
taking my daughter to college. So I said, well, I can't do it, <laughs> you know, because I don't, I don't have, I'm not going to be in my studio today. So I kind of thought, well, that's that. But then I got back later that day, and the New Yorker had uh, basically just taken my sketch and dropped in the um, the brown background color. And I think at that point they were they were ready to develop it as a cover. So, um, you know, I basically went in that Thursday morning and uh, developed a, the tighter illustration and sent it to them kind of 11 o'clock that morning. And then it went live, I think, by noon that day. So it's a pretty powerful image. What was sort of the reaction to it? What type of feedback did you get? You know, basically, I mean, I think they, they felt that it was very clear in regards to what it was showing. And in that, it was sort of reflecting, you know, the general audience's uh, feelings of what Trump's position was. Or, um, you know, I think it's important about what the cover doesn't say. You know, it's not calling the president a Klansman. You know, it's not even calling him a racist. You know, it's it's basically sort of saying that he's that he's in the boat with these people or possibly giving them giving them some amount of cover. The context is important. You know, over the over many months, you know, you, you've had the president talking about different events where he's he's not shy about calling out violence that involves minorities or immigrants. But then in this particular case where you've got white nationalists involved, you know, he's sort of equivocating that, uh, hey, there's bad people on both sides. So it, it was just kind of a dodgy response. And it is nuanced. I, you know, I will say that. I mean, it, it does sort of, you know, speak to you, sort of makes you go, oh. And at the moment, you know, when that, that cover came out, it definitely captured, you know, the, a lot of the feelings that people had at that, that moment. Now, your background, you're, you're an illustrator. I mean, The New Yorker is, it's known for its covers. And, and sometimes their covers can, are very provocative. Sometimes they're very political or, or, or they espouse something. Which makes it makes the drawing makes this type of presentation more, I don't know, like an editorial cartoonist. Do, do you see it sort of like that, or is this? I do. I, I think it's less of an illustration and more of a cartoon. I think it has aspects of of a cartoon in that it's you know satirical. You know, it has a it has a caricature involved, and there's you know there's a dark humor to it. I mean, even, even though there's a clans hat on there, the clansman's hat on this cover, there's still sort of an element of whimsy about it, or I would say you know. It's darkly humorous. Yeah, and whimsy. It, it it being a sail of a boat is kind of interesting, and, and and the fact that the 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 president, as represented in your drawing, is 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 blowing into the sail. It, it is a rather whimsical take on it. Now, is this something that you you've done a lot of? Do you do this in in, in other illustration work that you do, or is this something? That's I would say my recent? my illustration my illustration work is rarely this pointed. You know, I think whenever you're doing political art, I think it works better when it's it's got a little bit of a barb to it. I would say, generally speaking, my my artworks or my illustrations work is a uh, a bit more, you know, propping up the text that's supplied. Yeah, that's something like an illustration you would do for maybe a book in the New York Times book review or for a. Um magazine article that that you may be writing artwork for that may not be political or have a particular take but is more uh, you know illustrative of whatever they're they're trying to do right it might be conceptually provoking but it's not necessarily emotionally provoking and i think you know this one doesn't look like a lot of my typical work it looks probably more like my poster work in that you kind of see a shape first you know i think the reader probably reads this 
in a couple of different ways. I think first you see that sail, then you identify the Klan hat, then you see the boat, then you see Trump. So this is sort of like, you know, where you're adding up these elements, and hopefully it, it all adds up into a, a piece of visual communication that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned your poster work. I'm going to include a link to your blog uh, where you do show off a lot of the, the different types of work that you do, the illustrations, the posters. What was the path to get you to this point as an illustrator? What, when did you start drawing? When did you start doing this type of work? Well, I always had an interest in, uh, in art as a kid. When I became college-bound, I was interested in, um, in definitely doing something with art. I think at that point I wanted to be a cartoonist. And, uh, you know, after kind of a hard, a hard evaluation of my skills, the type of cartoonist I wanted to be, I didn't, I didn't think I was really made for it. And uh, at that point, I sort of shifted into a graphic design program at a small West Virginia college called Shepherd College, which is now Shepherd University. So I enrolled in a graphic design program, and I would have to say I didn't really know what graphic design was. And as I was in the program, you know, very, very supportive faculty there. I came to really like graphic design, which is essentially, you know, visual communication. And you could make the argument that all things artists create are a form of visual communication, you know, photography, cartooning, illustration, and graphic design. So I like to think of myself as a, as a visual communicator, as opposed to somebody who's making pretty pictures. So I worked for a number of years as a graphic designer, and at the same time, I, was, I would develop pictures for various uh, design projects. And after I found myself out of a job, I had, this, I had this collection of collage work that I'd been working on, and I just started getting magazine, magazine illustration jobs. Yeah, a lot of your artwork, a lot of the posters uh, seem to be this, this collage work. Is that, is that kind of your signature? I would say that's, like, that's one part of my work. And generally when I'm getting illustration work, you know, the folks will say, well, I want the collage style or I want this other, you know, drawn style that you do. The thing I like about the New Yorker covers is that they sort of aren't really about that style. It's really more of about conceptual intent. So after your first cover, uh, the New Yorker, you've since had another one that, uh, that concerns gun violence. Can you sort of talk about that? Sure. Um, this one happened after the Las Vegas massacre in October. I was in Philadelphia that weekend with my family and then came back that Sunday. And then on Tuesday, uh, Francoise Mali from The New Yorker contacted me, um, and I'm assuming a number of other artists, to send them some sketches on the event. Um, so I sent a number of things, some things focusing on the, the damage to the building, the broken window. The sketch that they landed on was a sketch with a lot of scattered ammunition, which was touching on the idea of just how many guns the shooter had, had brought to the building. And uh, the actual idea then is each, each bullet has a, has a name on it. So it's picking up the idea that there's a bullet with the name for every um, person in the United States. And uh, going back and forth with them, we decided that it would probably resonate more if we actually had the, the first names of the people who were killed in the massacre. And, you know, it's a, it's a bit of an uncomfortable, you know, it's an uncomfortable idea. It makes it a lot more personal. And what was, re was the response sort of similar to what you had with the earlier cover? I think it was different. I mean, it's a, this is a much more solemn idea. There's no humor or whimsy in this cover. Um, you know, and it's just sad. I mean, that's, that's the only way I can really, I can really qualify it, but it's, that it's, it's a sad cover. 
of a horrendous event. Are you going to be looking for more opportunities like these two covers at New Yorker or at other places where you can maybe, you know, work a little more, uh, you know, of an editorial stance into what you're doing? Because I assume that's sort of different than what you normally do, right? Yes, it's a nice departure from how I normally work. So, you know, if I do have, if something happens and I have the time, I can I can sketch something off and and send it to them without the expectation that it's necessarily going to get published. Um, but then also that they would contact me uh, with to do something, and that they also doesn't have to it doesn't have to fall in line with what my regular style is. That I can do something that really just presents an idea that hopefully the the audience will understand. They've contacted me a few times to do covers and since, and and you know it just hasn't panned out. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it hits a home run all the time. Yeah, but it, but it's nice when it when it happens. So tell me tell me about. I mean, you, this is a journalism podcast, and you know, so illustration has kind of been a part of journalism for a very long time. Certainly, print journalism. How vital is illustration still in, in this this digital media era? I mean, do do you think that because now we're not in in print, that the things have changed a lot. Or you think there's still sort of a demand for for uh, illustration? I think there's still a demand, and I think you know that we live in a very photo photo centric world. I mean, even more so now when people are taking photos and, and putting them on their Instagram and sharing them and putting them on Twitter. And I think it's not that photography can't do this, but illustration is a is a more seamless vehicle for presenting ideas and an artist's point of view. So I think it, it's still essential. And I think that there's there's something that's still important in an age where, you know, where tempers flare to still talk about things visually in terms of ideas and concepts. I know that a lot of people, when they think about graphic design in, in sort of media, they're, they're thinking more of like, you know, creating data visualizations and things. But being able to sort of take a, take a concept that sort of, expands on a on an idea or a theme in a story or for like a cover of a magazine is something that you know maybe it's not something that's that's necessary but it's something that that adds to the the reader experience clearly it's also something that people don't normally think about you know if you tell somebody you're an illustrator and then you work for magazines and newspapers they'll ask the next question will be what you like make the charts you know illustration, pictures in, in magazines aren't something that people particularly think about. You know, there's something that's just sort of there. And they're not something that, that is generally thought of that, that's something that people do, <laughs> even. But, you know, you, we still see illustration, not, you know, not just publications or even online, but, it, you know, certainly in like, um, in like advertising. I mean, advertising still uses a lot of illustration to say what they're saying. So now, do you do a lot of advertising work? Are you... um, every now and then, you know, a, a project will come in. You know, I just finished a large-scale mural project for um, a steakhouse in in Las Vegas. Is that going on a, a, a wall somewhere or a billboard or something? It's, it's going up. In, it's going up in the bar. Oh, neat! It's not really an advertising job. That's really more of a of a like, of an art job, like a decorative job. So, see, art yes. can yeah, art doesn't have to be you know it doesn't have to be media. It doesn't have to tell a story. Well. It's always telling a story. Art is always telling a story. Uh, it's just... Right. The distinction is art isn't, you know, art for advertising. You're selling something. Mm-hmm. Art on the cover of a magazine or an editorial or on a wall isn't necessarily selling something. But advertising is always selling something. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. So what, what, are you, uh, what are you looking to do with your illustration career moving forward? 
Well, you know, I, I like to think of myself as being like the guy that makes donuts. I'm happy when I'm when I'm working. So I uh, have a hardcover edition of Frankenstein that's getting released this Monday. I'm looking forward to see how that's received. And at that point, you know, I just I just keep uh, churning them out. So Frankenstein, is it? You illustrated the the Mary Shelley book. Yes, illustrated and designed the of what I hope is people will think is a very nice hardcover. Cool. Cool. And people will be able to order that uh, through your website or Amazon, et cetera? They can, they can find it on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And, and I assume it would be called Frankenstein. Frankenstein, the 200th uh, Bicentennial Edition. Oh, cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. David, thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been a fun conversation. I wish you the best. Thanks so much, Michael. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. It takes a lot of people to produce an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. And if you don't mind me taking a minute of your time here, I wanted to sort of give you an update about what we're doing with the podcast. 2018 is kind of the year for us to sort of, you know, push ourselves out there. Last year, we started our uh, Patreon campaign, and we'd love to have you support us via that. But more importantly, right now, what we're interested in doing is getting the message out to more people about our podcast. And what, how we're doing that is through our weekly email newsletter. If you go to our website, there's a link at the top of the page or on the side of the story page when you're reading our, uh, about the latest episode. Click on that and sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll have information about upcoming podcasts, live events, reader surveys. It's going to be an opportunity for us to grow the podcast, to learn a bit more about what you guys want on the podcast. And uh, let's see where we can go with this thing. 2018, I don't know about you guys, it's been really positive, a really good start for me and uh, the podcast. So let's keep this going. Let's see where we can take this thing. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. Capital Culture Podcast with your hosts, Rachel Nania and Jason Fraley. We have a new podcast called Capital Culture. Each week we go in-depth with chefs like Marcus Samuelson and writers like Bon Appetit's Adam Rappaport. We'll also talk plays with Kathleen Turner, movies with Emma Stone, and music with Smokey Robinson. Not to mention some of your favorite WTOP voices. The Capital Culture Podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC. The What's Working in Washington podcast with your host, Jonathan Aberman. We share this region's innovative, entrepreneurial, and creative spirit. This podcast tells impressive stories of passion and spunk taking place here in the D.C. region. It illustrates how the nation's capital is anything but the stuffy, bureaucratic, politics-only reputation it tries to shed. The What's Working in Washington podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast D.C.